Hey guys. Hey man. Yo. <laughs> Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. It's Thursday already? Yeah, yeah it, it is. Well. It is. Wow. It is. We have a new Dude. president of the United States. Jeez, oh Pete's. Wow. I assume. Let's, <laughs> yeah. We shall yes. see. Yeah. I mean, we we'll did see. see. <laughs> yep. Oh, right, right. Yes. It all went smoothly. Yes. It, it so all went smooth. smooth. I'm so glad they signaled how serious they were taking it and then didn't have any incidents whatsoever. That That's the part that I loved. Mm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Finally, the new liberal agenda can be enacted. Yes. <laughs> Communism <laughs> for all. <laughs> mm. uh. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. You know. Yes. <laughs> bird well, clock. Making yeah. his entrance. Hey, there's Birdie. Right. How you Aww. doing, buddy? Bur- Bur- yeah. Bur- Birdie's ch- chiming in about that liberal uh, agenda you just talked about. That's right. That's, those That's sounds right. are happiness. I don't know, man. That's, is, is that the same bird that landed on Bernie's podium like five years ago? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this guy's so, just try- constantly the- trying to get attention. It's the same bird, just a little bit more fay. You know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's feeling a little bit more open, a little bit more accepted. Right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about how many times he voted, but that just doesn't. Right. Doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> not. Not well, good. Well, welcome back, guys. Hey. Gosh, we had a great episode last week, did we not? That was wonderful. I, th- uh, I liked it. I hope yeah, you liked it. Great. The game was awesome to talk to. That was that was a good conversation. Yeah, man. We didn't finish it though. That is true. That is true. Thank you, Nick. Oh. So yeah, this is actually a continuation of episode seventy six, but you know, this, you know, we do this weekly, so we got to keep you know our standards up. So this is going to be episode seventy seven. That's right. So let's 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 do this let's do this right and get things started, boys. What do you say? Let's do it. Kick it off. You should check it out. Yes, that's right. And feeling newly enabled. This is episode 77 of You Should Check It Out. And uh, my name is Jay. I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. This is a continuation of our previous interview from episode 76. We were taking, talking with our friend Gabriel Riccio about uh, some of his musical influences and some of uh, his solo work. And, and I, God, it was a great conversation. It, it, <laughs> it, was, it was a genuine long-winded conversation we were up all night talking to Gabe yeah mm-hmm. yeah and he's had I'm quite a journey and uh yeah basically in the second half of the conversation we steered towards his work with King Crimson yeah. which That's got right. us which got us all excited so mm-hmm. you know I'm definitely looking forward to sharing that with everybody yeah man let's dive right into it let's go so yeah. dude you said you um the Crimson stuff was it was an influence on this and I, I just want to uh, we've told this story many times on the podcast, but one of the f- very first nights that Nick and Jay and I really got to bond over music was when one night a friend, an older friend of mine, uh, who was actually the bassist in the uh, University of Maryland Jazz Ensemble, his name is Glenn Olaf. Uh, shout out to Glenn if he's listening. Um, Glenn. Hi, Glenn. <laughs> he, like, after the rehearsal that night, which ended around 7, he's like, man, I've got these tickets to see King Crimson tonight at 9.30 Club. Does anybody want them? And I turned around, I was like, I do. <laughs> 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 I was like, hang on, let me, uh, what, else, what do I have tonight? Nothing. You know. So, uh, anyway, um, he ended up dropping them off, and Nick and Jay and I, we like 
Yeah, there's no Uber. You know, we weren't going to call cabs. We we're like running down to the bus station and we wait at the bus station. And the bus station takes us to the metro station. And we get to the metro station. We're waiting for the train. And we get to the train and we, and we go downtown and we get to the 930 club and we go see King Crimson at the 930 club. Oh, man. And it was, you know, Adrian, Baloo, Fripp, of course, Robert Fripp, um, Trey Gunn, and Pat Mastelletto. That's That so was the line. Oh, man, I'm jealous. I really wish I could have seen them. It was what really an incredible show. Yeah, I was, uh, I was in middle school it, at that time. I guess. Yeah, well, we were freshmen in college. This is two thousand, and yeah. the youngest ones there by thirty years. Yes, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> we didn't know what to expect on that front, but uh, yeah, and so, and then you know, we left that show just being like, "That was awesome," you know. And then after wow. you know, the whole, whole rest, of, you know, the whole rest of the semester, we're like trying to learn how to play three of a perfect pair and like yeah. dissecting all this stuff. So. You had this really cool opportunity. Um, I'll let you start at the beginning or wherever you want to start from, but tell us about how you got to um, transcribe the King Crimson records for real. Yeah. So, you know, for my senior comprehensive exams in college, I had to, uh, you know, do a performance of a piece and a presentation on it and write a 50 page paper on it, you know, uh, all that sort of stuff. And uh, so I transcribed King Crimson's Construction of Light which was played by that very lineup mm-hmm. uh, that you saw there. I think that was the tour. That was, that they were probably promoting yep. that record. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah and I mean you know in stark contrast to the whole career band thing you know I think one reason King Crimson's managed to be one of the only bands that's been able to avoid that pitfall is because every time they've come back they've been a whole new band right, right. effectively. Right. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been an entirely new thing. But but anyway, you know, so I, I transcribed uh, Construction of Light. I played drums and sang it. I wrote this in-depth analysis. Yeah, I think I got like a, a B plus on it or something, which is, <laughs> sure. is kind of funny because I got a, a career out of it, which, you know, probably right. most people right. don't from their exams. Yeah, so, you know, after I graduated, I decided, uh, what the hell, I'll throw this transcription up on, uh, on YouTube. And I go to see a movie, and uh, movie ends. I turn my phone back on. I see, uh, like, you got a new comment from Trey Gunn. And I'm just like, no, that that, that can't be the actual Trey Gunn. That's, that's just got to be some guy who made a screen name Trey Gunn, it's right? It's Trey, right. Trey, Trey Gunn with one in, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. Trey yeah, Gunslinger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, but it turns out it was wow. the real Trey Gunn. Switch. You know, and he had... Uh, shared this on his, his social media and uh so i i reached out to him and um yeah at that point uh we started talking and we said you know maybe we'll write some blog posts together or something mm-hmm. uh but then that pretty quickly evolved into him asking me to do a book of his music wow. um it's uh, not just his solo stuff but a, a bit of everything he's done you know from two and k2 to uh uh some king crimson stuff to uh just the, the whole gamut you know some solo stuff and uh, uh did that book and it came out uh at a show he did with uh, michael manring and alonzo Ariola in seattle and uh that's actually where i met uh matt tate who proofread the last book and also uh played in my band uh and i played in his band for a few years you know before nice. the pandemic happened and all that actually our two bands uh at some point had the exact same lineup 
uh, and we were just playing under two names with two different sets of material. <laughs> That's hilarious. And uh, and then eventually we just gave up and we merged it and we said, oh, let's try becoming a democracy." And you know, that, that makes goes. sense. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but yeah. So you know, it went from there to uh, then uh, Stickman wanted me to do a, a book from for them. You know, once they saw Trey's book, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess. Yeah, and I guess that that show was also where I met Marcus Reuter for the first time, nice. and uh, I've worked with him a lot through the years on a lot of his uh, art and chamber music. Yeah, so so he ended up asking me to do a, a Stickman book, and that was a pretty big book. It had the Full Deep album and the Absalom EP and a couple other assorted songs, and then from there, Trey was like, "Hey, let's uh, let's do a, a Thrack book." Uh, so that happened, and and that was. You know that that was pretty crazy because uh you know i was I was trying to do that off the stereo mix and that's <laughs> six players you know that's <laughs> right that's a lot to, a lot in there so thrack yeah. is thrack was a, is a king crimson record that had two trios yeah is that right yeah yeah <laughs> uh and so you know it's it's really hard to tell who was playing what i can't imagine. and uh um, yeah <laughs> you know finally i got my hands on a, a surround mix of the record oh. and then i was able to isolate the channels of the surround mix and and then that helped a whole lot you know but it was it was pretty late in the game and uh got a little bit harried by the end you know sure. um yeah i would have just come back with a big piece of paper that just said king crimson yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, the band eventually plays the these band. notes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, no, the uh, you know now we're uh, we just put out the discipline book, uh, which is almost sold out already. Uh, That's because, awesome, yes. dude. You know, yeah, man. hell yes, that is awesome. Uh, yeah, awesome. I mean it's it's funny because we just started shipping it this week. That's I, awesome. I actually so cool. haven't held it yet. I don't even have a copy, and it's already there's like forty <laughs> copies left. Well, it's sold out. You'll you know? get one when it's second yeah. printing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm amazed rad. that so the drive the push to make these books is coming from the artists. Mm-hmm. not from the publishers or not from the licensing. Like, I, I I, guess I never really had an idea of, like, who pushes the concept of making these transcription books. But well, you're saying I think, it, it comes, in, in your case, it comes from the artists. I think this is an unusual case, you know. Okay. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the times it's, like, you know, part of the record deal to, you know, sell the stuff to Hal Leonard or whatever, uh, who I also freelance for, or at least I did before the pandemic again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and actually, Hal Leonard does own King Crimson's sheet music rights, but hmm. for some reason, mm-hmm. nobody did it, and that's probably just because nobody was crazy enough to do it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what that's that's part. That's a big reason why it's a, such a such a great accomplishment and um, such a great use of your. Individual, your unique talentscape. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, like when I when I found out that you were doing that, I was like, "That is perfect," because <laughs> like no one else could do that. <laughs> so, um, dude, we can we play um, something for the uh, for for the audience? So what, like, you you um, what's one song in particular that was a pain in the ass to transcribe? I, I want everyone uh, to understand how hard this is. Yeah, I mean. Uh, First thing that comes to mind is probably Neil and Jack and me, because I was really surprised at how complex that song ended up being. I didn't realize how crazy it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have picked that one as the most difficult either. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, now I'm so now I'm fascinated because that sounds to me like if you're gonna make a living transcribing Cream Crimson, you better be able to do a song like that. Yeah. Right, because that sounds kind of very King Crimson-ish. So what was mm-hmm. so tricky about that song? Yeah, so, you know, I think one of the reasons that nobody had tackled this music before was because it's so polymetric and Western notation isn't really designed for that, you know. So I figured out how to kind of, you know, break Sibelius into representing this. It's not really designed to represent it. And that's how I was able to do all of these books because all four of them are highly dependent on being able to notate polymeter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's always going to be a little bit messy, right? There's plenty of spots in the book where, you know, a bar of one instrument will be cut in half between systems, uh, stuff like that, but there's no other way to do it really, you know, uh, unless you lay it all out in a panorama, which would probably be ideal. But, uh, yeah. So what makes this song particularly hard is, uh, so everybody starts out together in five, eight, right? Then one person throws in a bar of six, eight. And uh, <laughs> and by everybody, I should say, there's a third interlocking guitar part being played by Tony Levin on the top oh. side of the stick. So it's it's gotcha. actually uh, gone from two to three interlocking guitars effectively, which isn't something that happens on discipline. So you got you know three people playing in five eight first. So somebody throws in a bar six eight and goes back to five. Now their five is offset by an eighth note. Then mm-hmm. another player does that. Now you've got three instances of five eight going. Then when you hit when the vocals enter. So you've got, uh, you know, Bill and uh, and Tony's bass part in four four. Uh, Tony then playing five eight on top of that. Adrian playing a five eight that starts in a different position on top of that while singing, hmm. and then Fripp playing in six eight on top of all that. Uh, and then I had to figure out how to turn that into a score. And you know, the answer is lots of bars of like. 84 or something you know just a single bar that lasts the entire length of the polymetric cycle and then i have to chop that bar up into systems add fake time signatures fake bar lines that are constantly popping out of place you know and so uh, that's how you do it you you basically you find like the 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 multiple of them all and then refactor it to where like you can get like bars in yeah i got to calculate the length of the polymetric cycle and it gets even crazier mm-hmm. at the end of the song and it, the the end of the song is is probably the most uh complex polymetric moment uh on any of these three records because every player is in mixed meter so they're all in different time signatures but they're all also changing uh at least for the guitars right they're also changing time signatures every bar so it, so <laughs> somehow they're mm-hmm. they're doing that and adrian's singing on top mm-hmm. and robert plays a solo on top of that mm-hmm. you know and it's just unbelievable i mean it's insane stuff they made um, it so that you couldn't do this and then and you did it <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah did pretty it. much yeah I, I guess that's what it is <laughs> yeah would, Holy you, crap. Would, would you say gabe that this song is kind of like okay there's di- there's the there's discipline there's the king crimson song discipline yeah. Which came out like uh, one or two records 85. before this. One? One yeah. record before this? Yeah, one record before. Um, that's one of my like all-time favorite tunes, like guitar yeah. songs, really. And and you can see there's so much similarity to this tune. But this one, are you saying like this one is kind of like next level discipline? Yeah. No, it's... Yeah. Um, there are things that are more complicated about each one. For instance, the drumming is a lot harder in discipline because, you know, that's a 17 and 16 against 4-4 four, four groove for most of that song. Whereas in this song, it's just a straight 4-4 four, four groove for most of it, right? 
But what makes Neil and Jack and me more complex than Discipline is the addition of the third interlocking mm-hmm. guitar that Tony is playing and also the introduction to Mix Meter because essentially in Discipline, you know, you'll have the phasing thing happen where the two guitars start out in the same time signature, then Fripp starts dropping some notes and then uh, they enter into a phasing cycle with each other. So there's two time signatures happening at once, but aside from that moment of the phase switch, each player is in a single time signature. Whereas in Neil and right. Jack and me, it's it's constant mix meter during the outro, right? That each wow. player is is changing time signatures every bar. And so that, that really takes it to the next level. <laughs> yeah, wow. that's insane, man. Wow, hey, what what's another one? Give us another one, this is fun. Yeah, so I guess uh, opposite end of that would be um, Dig Me from Three of a Perfect Pair. That sounds easy. You just make yeah. a big block and, and call it free time. Yeah. Well, that's what I did. Uh, ultimately, you know, uh, well, I didn't uh, consistently. Uh, part of that was, in fact, uh, in a meter. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I kind of procrastinated pretty hard on that song. It was one of the last ones I did, and I just kept staring at it, being like, "How am I ever gonna put this on paper?" Just a question mark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, just draw a picture of like someone pushing drums off the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Right, you know? right, and I guess, I mean, I can't even say exactly what I did. I just figured it out somehow. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know, man. Much- so, so you don't have any source tracks to work from. You have to work. I mean, again, you said the surround mix ended up being like the best way that you could pe- pick these apart. So there was, is that correct? There was like the band wasn't there wasn't like participation on that side from them being able to give you like source tracks that would help your life just a hair well so at, at this point uh trey has stems and uh uh he's able to give them to me for things i really am struggling with um okay. you know that i can't get off the stereo mix so you know i mean that's that's hugely helpful obviously the uh, other question is if i become independently wealthy could i pay you to just watch you do this this is fascinating. Hell yeah, man. I mean, if, uh, if it's you a don't... big hypothetical here, man, you got no yeah. chance this is going to happen, so don't worry about it. If, if you don't mind hearing, you know, the, the same 10 seconds of music over and over for three days straight, no, then... man, no, man, that's, nope, you know. Well, no, I, no, I that sounds fascinating. I, gee, that sounds amazing, man. Actually. That's hats off, dude. Hats off. I, I mean, as a guy who you know, I, I'm just a consumer of transcription b- books, you know, uh, I 
never attempted really outside of music school to to transcribe myself and and just knowing how hard it is to transcribe just a couple bars of very straightforward music my hat is eternally off to you and and great work and and i uh hope that it's not too late for me to get my copy because i really 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 want this for to have for my collection yeah so uh, what, what is what is by the way uh how is it packaged gabe is it three records in one book Yes, uh, so it's it's all the whole '80s period in a single book, 22 songs, wow, um, and uh, t- you know, 256 pages, I think, spiral bound, so that you don't have to fight hey, to keep it open. My man, you know, <laughs> very good. Love it. <laughs> Love it. That's great, man. That's well, great. I'm I'm so happy to hear that it's been a success so far. I know that, you know, we talked at one point during the pandemic. I mean, I don't I don't want to go too deep in. Um, not that you gave me too much, but you were saying essentially that like, well, with the rollout, there's some th- stuff we have to figure out. And I'm like, why don't you just put it out if it's ready? You know? And he's like, well, you know, you can't just put out a PDF and expect people not to just steal it. Steal it. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, so anyway, no, I'm 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 glad that people are shelling out for it because it it's hard work um, and it's Ooh. worth it. You know, if you want to know how these songs are done, I mean. Gabe, you you cracked the code. Do you, did you um, tab these out as well? Did you? What? How did that part of it work? Like, yeah, as far um, as you know, what, what I'm trying to say is, Gabe knows what the notes are, but then on the guitar, you have options of where to play those notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, as not being a primarily a guitar player, how did that work out for you? Yeah. So I had a great team together for this book, and uh, you know, for the Thrack book, it was just me and Trey, and you know, the division of labor is pretty much I transcribe the stuff. Uh, I get the tabs set up for him to move around. Then he actually uh, tabs it out and, you know, figures out where everything was played. And then he deals with all of the uh, printing and publishing side of things. And it's a a really good partnership. And I'm really lucky for that uh, because, you know, I I really would not want to have to deal with any of this stuff. But this time Mm -hmm. around, I actually had a team of of proofreaders of three guys um, who, uh, you know, we were able to get, like, a lot of discussion and debate going over some of these fine points and you know i think this book was improved a lot for that and uh you know the level of detail is is even higher now um you know i had somebody uh email me today saying oh uh i i've been wondering how this thing was played for you know like a zillion years and then i i opened the book and i see you know press on the side of the pickup and uh now i know <laughs> and <laughs> Like, oh, I couldn't find that on the, the score. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. that, it's funny because you know you did you definitely you mentioned a lot about the proofreaders and and it, I realize now I was going to actually ask like what what's the big deal about the proofreaders but it be, but it, that conversation that must have been incredibly helpful to have others with similar eyes coming at this and helping you work through parts or or, or t- tackling their own areas is that how it kind of was broken out? Yeah, you delegate I, I, that. Uh, yeah. Well, it was kind of. I think everybody did everything, you know, it was, it was uh, all eyes on everything. So you got multiple perspectives and, and luckily, you know, everyone I'm working with, uh, you know, being the aforementioned uh, Matt Tate, uh, Anthony Garone, who runs the uh, Make Weird Music uh, YouTube channel, yeah. and uh, Dean Pascarella, who's this killer stick player and guitarist uh, on Long Island. You know, th- they're all super passionate about this, you know. Uh, and, and they were really happy to, to be involved in this too. So it was like, you know, everybody would go, you know, look up, uh, all the live videos they could find of this stuff and, you know, try to find the frames of, uh, 
the fingerings that were used and what string it was played on, what position, etc. And it was a lot of like, oh, I can barely make this out, but it looks like he's doing this, you know, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. kind of stuff. His back to the camera, um, but his hands here-ish. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, a, a lot of that kind of stuff. And it's like there was even one case where you know we saw a video. And it was like, oh, he's he's doing this. And then we found a higher quality version of the video after it went to print. And just seeing it in higher quality, it was like, ah, oh, we got it wrong. Damn it. Second edition. Was there anything, I, I know when you listen to music in different contexts, like, you know, if you're listening to it, you know, in, in the car versus, you know, while you're working on something else or it was, was there anything that you, came to a greater understanding of of King Crimson's music through making these transcriptions? Like, did you uncover any secrets that they do or anything about their music that's particularly like, oh, take wow, the I didn't out of it. really <laughs> get that mm-hmm. on, on a listen? Yeah, yeah well, I, I think it gave me a, a whole new appreciation of beat, you know, and, and part of that was for the reasons that I mentioned before and, you know, discovering mm-hmm. what was going on and Neil and Jack and me and neurotica and stuff because i think a lot of people tend to kind of write that record off as being just like a lesser version of discipline yeah you know and and actually there's a lot of stuff on it that really advances the concepts they were exploring in discipline and i hadn't realized that before you know so that was uh that was pretty cool to find out and there's also a lot more production happening on that record just being able to to really dig into the ways that the ensemble changed from record to record and the, the ways their approaches changed, you know, because on Discipline, you know, I mean, they started in a strange place, right? You've got uh, these running guitar lines, which, you know, weren't the way people played guitar at all at that point in time, and all these guitar synths and Chapman stick and, uh, you know, this very idiosyncratic drum kit with uh, tube toms and rototom and a gong tom and very sparing use of symbols like no use of symbols to keep time uh really except in a a a couple instances uh and then you go from that to uh you know incorporating a lot more electronics in the drum sounds on on beat and tony's role really gets expanded on that record and then you know by three of a perfect pair it's it's almost a different band at that Mm -hmm. point you know because uh it's like tony's mostly playing bass but he's also playing a lot of synth bass um, sometimes doing both at once, kind of tapping his bass and, and playing the synth bass. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Bill's kit became uh, really filled with electronics, and the emphasis became on that. Uh, the the interlocking guitars are used very sparingly, and there's pretty much no uh, polymeter on that record. You know, they were hmm. done with those explorations by that point. It was it was wow. kind of the opposite, you know, where Three of a Perfect Pair still has a little bit of the interlocking guitar thing, but it's more about these big string skips and uh, not really about uh, creating this phasing effect. Mm-hmm. Um, Wider intervals. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely being able to dig this deep into this music that I really love and has meant so much to me and uh, being able to, to learn so much about it in the process, you know, has, has just been awesome. That's awesome, man. And, uh, through, um, through Gabe's, uh, you know, involvement with this crew, um, which, you know, like, like Nick said, like there's, there's like a mystique about King Crimson. I mean, this is like the only rock band that's been around for like 50 years. I mean, maybe not with the exception of the Rolling Stones, Jay, before you get upset. <laughs> 
Uh, Do not bring up the Rolling Stones right now. Do not bring up the Rolling Well, didn't King Crimson, I think they opened for the Rolling Stones in Hyde Park in 1969. Are you serious? I didn't remember. That was probably the best Rolling Stone show ever. Yeah, number one. <laughs> Not my favorite. Especially if you were there early. Um, so there's, there's so, some division in this camp over over the stones. Yeah. But uh, we had we had a whole freaking segment on Keith last week. I'm, yeah. I'm done for a month. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> but anyway, I was I was just gonna say that uh, I, I've shared some of my some of my uh, Nam stories, but uh, Gabe and I were at the same Nam. I think it was my my first one and. Gabe's your Gabe, your first one. I don't know. If, uh, it was my only one. Your his only. But he called me up, and I was technically supposed to be working. He's like, "Hey man, can you come down to the Ernie Ball booth right now?" And I was like, "Technically no, but why?" He's like, "Oh, why? I want to introduce you to Tony Levin." <laughs> you know? And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll be right <laughs> there." <laughs> he looks up from his phone, and Greg's standing right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah, you know, I, I went down there, and Gabe's, you know all buddies with Tony Levin and I was just like I, uh, I, I, am I dreaming right now what the hell how did you Gabe become friends with this guy and uh, you know so I had to give props to, to, to him because that, that was definitely a fun day and uh, you know to meet to meet and talk to genuinely you know these uh, these people who I've been listening to for so long yeah. it was definitely uh, something I, I you know I cherish and you know especially in this in this fog of COVID and all this stuff and not being able to do have those kinds of experiences in a long time um, really makes you appreciate it that much more so not only that not only that but having Trey see a video that you post and I mean obviously I mean even even in you know you've you've done a couple other podcasts um, and 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 him describing it he was he obviously saw he was like oh this guy this is my guy right there like that that that's that's that is so freaking cool. Well, you like, know what what I didn't know at the time was that the construction of light was actually the most difficult part that he recorded in the mm-hmm. group, you know. And mm-hmm. uh so I think he was especially impressed because of that, you know, because I got yeah. some of the uh um topside chords in there and stuff too, which are kind of barely audible in the mix. Um Yeah. Yeah, man. No, you nailed it. It's it's phenomenal and and yeah, so cool. And I'm really looking forward to to that book coming out because I think I think the construction of light is a really underappreciated record, and I, th- I think a large part of that is because of the the production. And you know, they did do a new version of it um, with acoustic drums and uh, a much better mix a um, mm-hmm. couple years back now called the Reconstruction of Light. Which if you haven't heard that, you should oh, definitely check it out. Yeah, but, uh, that, yeah. that's cool, that's man. Um, it's, it reminds me of like how Meshuggah redid nothing, you know, with the eight strings. Yeah, but they ruined nothing when they redid it. Uh, so, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Guys, we only have an hour here. All right, all right. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, the thing with the, the construction of light is, uh, so, you know, I'm doing the, the John Wetton era next, uh, 73 to 74. And, you know, I've, I mean, I've already done a lot of that, but I've, I've done a lot more of the uh, double duo, I would say. I've got most of that stuff down that book is not that far off and uh uh the thing with that material is it's like they took all of the techniques that the uh 73 to 4 band developed then all the techniques that the 80s band developed and some of the stuff that they were doing on thrack as well especially the title track and you know these were all kind of essentially separate bands and then they integrated all of that stuff into a singular approach you know just every technique they'd ever put on the table you know just going with it uh, merged 
Yeah, yeah. And so it, that's actually their most complex record from from a theory standpoint, certainly by wow. far. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're and you're in the middle of that, you said. Uh, so that's that's gonna be the book after the next book. Um, but I've already done probably two thirds of the work on that book. Yeah. Beautiful. Whenever that Fred. happens. Fred Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Riccio. Great, Gabe Riccio. Greg, what tell the people yeah. tell the people where they can find us, please. Hey, yeah. So you should check it out. dot com. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Twitter. Our handle is it at should check. Send us an email at yscio podcast at gmail dot com. And Gabe, tell us what yeah, your website is. Yeah, thegabrielconstruct.com. Okay, I just want to be sure. It's thegabrielconstruct.com. Look him up. You should check Gabe out. Indeed. In the notes. Gabe, yeah. thank you so much, man. What a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Fun times. Thank you Stay so safe, much. Homie. Keep, up the, keep up the hard work and uh, keep up the good work. So we will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.